How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Reasonably Outrageous. I'm Blake Pace alongside Matt Wyrick, and we've got a fun-filled episode for you today going a lot of baseball topics. we got week four in the NFL coming up, but Matt, none of that matters right now because the biggest news of the NFL season came out just an hour ago. Were you aware of this? Biggest news just an hour ago. Melvin Gordon? Nope. That was way, way more, more important. Than an hour ago. Way more important. Hit me. Way more important. It is Shakira and Jennifer Lopez. Oh, God. Are doing the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> How okay. amazing is that? <laughs> I, okay, I was thinking about this on the way home. When's the last time that they actually had someone relevant? Do oh, one what? of the this is completely irrelevant. Oh. This is completely relevant. When's the last time a new Shakira or J Lo song like w- went to the top of the charts? See, it doesn't How matter though, because but that's the matter. thing. It's just what everyone says. I th- no, honestly no, 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 think no, no, the no, last no. time, the last time that we had anybody relevant do the the Super Bowl halftime show had to have been when it was Justin Bieber and uh, God, who was he with? Um, was it Black Eyed Peas? Are you no. thinking Justin Usher? Timberlake? It was Usher. Justin Bieber and Usher Wait. did it together. I don't even remember what Super Bowl that was. Exactly. That's how long it's been. <laughs> well, well, no, it's it's awesome because they're in Miami, and these are two Miami bad bitches that are going to tear the stage up, and you're just jealous because your hips don't lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're jealous. Yeah, I'm but so whatever. jealous. No, I, I'm... Look, I, I respect the women. I respect the ladies. They're fantastic artists and, you know, have made lots of money in their time and it's well-deserved, <laughs> but this is 2019, not 2013. That's all I'm going to hey, say. The only thing we're missing is Fergie. As soon as we get Fergie oh, yeah, there, exactly. That'll then, complete the trio. Oh, I would be so excited. She's got to make a guest appearance. But that's just my little quick tidbit for you. I wanted to catch you off guard real quick. That I'm super excited <laughs> for that halftime show. Uh, but we've got a lot to talk about today, and, and we're going to start in baseball. We're going to go over to the major leagues because uh, reports have been coming out in Pittsburgh uh, that they are planning on retaining their current manager, um, and that Matt, I already forgot his name. Clint Hurdle. Clint Hurdle, yes, exactly. And so, <laughs> wow, I, I completely blanked on his name right there. And this comes as a, as a bit of a surprise, an underwhelming season for, for Pittsburgh. Uh, definitely the last time that they were in the playoffs was in 2015, and they had lost two straight uh, wild card games, um, meaning the last time they were in an LDS was back in 2013, and they lost that as well. So four seasons uh, outside of the playoffs, they did have a winning record in 2018, severely underwhelming in 2019. Uh, the Athletic came out with a piece yesterday saying that they're planning to bring on their, their tenured manager uh, for, um, I guess, what would be his, what, ninth season ninth at the season. helm? Yep, ninth, ninth season right there. Tenth season. Tenth season. Sorry, I'm bad at math. Uh, but <laughs> but Matthew, it's, a, it's an interesting one because we see, if by my count, one, two, three, four winning seasons in his tenure. So Matt, there's a, a lot of questions about this and I want to know uh, what your where your head is at uh, heading into 2020 for Pittsburgh. You know what? The Pittsburgh Pirates are the most sorry franchise in sports right now. Ooh. I, I I know I'm, I'm coming on strong, but it, the, they really do need to have a new direction. I mean, with the way that this organization has been going, I mean, that that playoff appearance you mentioned in 2013, the last time they made the the NLDS, that was their first playoff appearance in 21 years. I mean, they were already coming off of a a lowly streak, and it all really goes back to the owner, and that's Bob Nutting. I mean, he just does not spend money. And the, the way the organization is right now, there's just no direction. I mean, where do you think the, the Pirates are going right now? You look at the Miami Dolphins. And everyone is ripping them because they're losing and they're, they're going down the toilet. But they know what they're doing. They're tanking. They're purposely trying to lose. And sure, you can argue the, what's right and what's wrong about that. But at least the fans of that organization know what direction the team is headed. What direction are the Pirates in? I mean, we have that bizarre trade in 2018 where they go for Chris Archer uh, yeah. when they're in the middle of uh, the season. I believe it was in June. And... They were sure. They were in the wild card hunt at that time, but the run differential suggested they were due for some regression. Sure enough, they fall and ultimately only have 82 wins to finish the season. Uh, and, you know, where their their farm system's at right now, where their payroll's at right now, there's just not a lot of optimism moving forward. So why have Clint Hurdle, and for that matter, why retain Neil Huntington, the GM? Honestly, cut tie mm-hmm. for both of them. Bob Nutting should should honestly just sell the organization and move forward with an entirely new look, uh, rebuild that team, 
I just it's it sucks to be in no man's land. That's where they are. They hover around the you know eighty win mark every season. Uh, while they're finishing a little bit below it or a little bit above it. Uh, and this season, ultimately, you know, with all of the problems that they had in the clubhouse, the fights uh, that they had mm-hmm. between uh, gen- uh, relievers and, of course, Hurdle himself got involved. Uh, some coaches as well were suspended. This this whole nightmare, and you're going to bring Hurdle back? I mean, what does that tell your fan base? That you're just content with this place that you're at? I mean, obviously the spending of the front office says that, uh, that they are content with, with being a middling organization. But are you really going to mm-hmm. extend that to your manager's office? I mean, come on, give me a break. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. And you think about all the, the misfires that happened. I mean, they, they had a winning record last year, but still finished fourth in their uh, division. So very underwhelming nonetheless, despite a winning record. You talk about some guys that have brought on and kind of underwhelmed, like Archer. You talk about a guy like Tyler Glass now, who's now in Tampa after two, you know, mess seasons. He, he shipped his way to Tampa Bay and has been killing it uh, for the Rays this year, of course, in, in limited action. He's just come back from, I guess, what was a... Well, I don't even remember his injury, but he missed most of the season. But yeah. he, but before that, he was off to a terrific start. I mean, he's right now got a record of, I'm trying to pull it up right here. He's six and one on the season, uh, 1.92 ERA. That's another guy that they let fall out. Uh, you take a look at their team and kind of what the direction is. Uh, of course, Josh Bell, only 26, has hit those massive three, uh, 37 home runs, leads the team in RBIs. You've got guys like you know Kevin Newman, 25 at shortstop, batting 309. You talk about Brian Reynolds, their left fielder, hitting 314. So they've got some young guys around there, but the direction seems to be confusing. Uh, you take a look at their pitching staff. Of course, Joe Musgrove uh, having a 10 and 12 season, 4.49 ERA. Certainly hasn't looked too great in his age 26 season. Archer, like we said, has been horrendous. Uh, you know, 5.19 ERA, three and nine this season. Um, really, their entire starting rotation uh, has an ERA of above 4.5, uh, you know, if you count Musgrove at 4.49. So certainly not the season uh, they were hoping for, maybe hoping to build off of the winning year the year before. But the the decision to uh, retain Clint Hurdle definitely seems to be a puzzling one. I mean, let's be honest. We've just been watching back to back to back to back to back puzzling moves from this ownership group in front office for decades now. I mean, just just look at the spending, where we're at right now. The Pirates have the second lowest payroll in baseball, despite playing in Pittsburgh, which has a pretty good fan base. They have a beautiful ballpark. Certainly, they haven't had as much problems with fan attendance as some other uh, teams that are down at the bottom. For example, the only team that spent less than them this year at the Rays. And the Rays have the most sorry fan base in all of Major League Baseball. Hmm. Nobody is showing up for those games, despite the fact that the Rays are in the middle of a playoff it's hunt sad. right now. It's sad. The, the Pirates have a very loyal following and a historic one at that uh and and we just get this trash product on the field i mean this team right here if you doubled its payroll it would still only rank 13th in the majors right now <laughs> that's absolutely ridiculous and, and you, you looked at, at this past offseason and how nobody jumped in on the harper and machado sweepstakes and it only seemed to come down to a couple of teams you know what team could have really used harper and machado the pittsburgh pirates i you look guess who their mm-hmm. highest paid infielder is right now Oh boy, let me take a look. I am going to take a wild guess and say, is it Adam Frazier? Adam Frazier's close. He only makes 2000 less than the highest paid player in that infield. And it's Josh Bell, who's in his third year of pre-arbitration. Jeez. He's making just over the <laughs> league minimum, less than $600,000. That is their highest paid infielder. That's ridiculous. They only have one player on the payroll who's being paid over $10 million, and that's Starling Marte. I mean, it's just wow. a, a sorry excuse uh, for an ownership group, or however you want to call the Nutting family, uh, it, to put a product on the field that is just shameful. It's really a disgrace to the league. It's a disgrace to the fan base. I feel bad for them because there's just no end in sight. I mean, if we are looking at a, 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 co- a front office and a managerial group that is content with bringing back Huntington after all the problems that they had this year, after the s- several years of inability to get past a certain threshold and wins and not to mention they've never won a playoff series under him they lost that one nlds went to five games it was just respectable series but then lost the back-to-back wildcard games uh after that so what exactly are you holding on to, to clint hurdle for at this point i don't know i 10 seasons i mean it reminds me of marvin lewis in cincinnati uh with the Bengals, and obviously mm-hmm. he brought them out of a rut 
uh, where the Bengals were a team that just could never, ever win. They weren't making it to the playoffs. And then they bring in uh, Marvin Jones. He actually gets them to the postseason. And yes, it was uh, a, a historic turnaround. And the fact that they were able to do that, you know, that he deserves a lot of credit for that. But he wasn't able to win in the playoffs. And eventually, they weren't even able to get to the playoffs in the last few years of his career. And they just said, okay, we're going to have to cut ties. We got the same situation here with Hurdle. He was able to get them out of the rut that they were in. You know, got, got a guy like McCutcheon uh, and able to turn him into a star. You had uh, mm-hmm. some good pieces back in the day, like A.J. Burnett, um, you know, Starling Marte when he was coming up. There was just a lot, lot to like about that organization and that team. But it's past his heyday at this point. It's not like the we're, we're getting really consistent uh, volume coming out of the farm system. So, you know, that goes falls on the GM. Uh, and, and at this point, I mean, they're just stuck in no man's land. They need to either spend money so that they can make that jump forward. They've got a few solid pieces. Uh, you know, Josh Bell in the middle of that lineup is, is a yeah. fantastic guy to build around. Uh, you know, Chris Archer, not necessarily the ace they thought he was going to be when they acquired him, but, you know, someone who will be able to eat up innings. Uh, you know, there are a couple of pieces on this team that you could say, okay, we could build around, but you've got to spend. I mean, you've right. got to go into free agency and do that. And if you're not going to spend, then you've got to tear down and rebuild. And they won't do that either. Mm-hmm. I mean, they will not sell off. Uh, the, the, that move that they made of uh, selling... Tyler Glasnow and Austin Meadows were two young guys that yeah. they could have built around. And they, they bring in somebody, uh, make a move for a win-now contender. And they're just not at that point. Right. You know, the, the front office lacks the, the foresight to be able to tell where the, the, this team is going. And the, the manager has no idea how to navigate the clubhouse. It's a terrible combination. And I really do feel bad for Pirates fans because it is just a sorry state for a franchise. Especially in 2019 when we have so much information available to us. Right, and and it, that is unfortunate. You know, I think back to the last episode where we talked about all of the teams that have made their decisions not to, um, you know, that have made their decisions to really jump the gun on the young core, make uh, big free agent signings, trade acquisitions, and and this is a team that hasn't done that. They've traded away their young pieces, like you were saying, and are in a position where now there's just there's no sighted in, as you pointed out. And you know, the biggest thing with Pittsburgh. Is just that there's they're not a a huge market, so you're already missing out on that. But the ownership just seems complacent with just making their money off of you know ticket sales, merchandise, um, you know things like that, and just letting the team be poor. Now they're in a situation where if they wanted to go out and spend, I think there are some moves out there that could be done to build around the young core. I mean, you take a look um, at, at their starting lineup. You've got Marte that's thirty. Uh, you know, of course, Melky Cabrera is 34, but you've got guys like Josh Bell that's 26, Frazier 27, Kevin Newman 25, Colin Moran 26, Brian Reynolds 24. They've got young pieces. Now it's just making either one of those guys has to rise to be the face of the franchise or they need to bring the face of the franchise in because that's what they're lacking. They're lacking that one guy that they can just feel confident to build around. Uh, you know, Bell has shown promise of that, but it's not really that strong. And so... Um, you know, it, it is unfortunate. The decision to also um, you bring Clint back uh, definitely raises some eyebrows. And so reports did come out today that they were still considering uh, that the it, this decision had not been set. So we'll have to see where this goes. There could be a chance where they, they do move on and maybe go in a new direction next season. But certainly not a fun place to be in when you're just stuck in the middle and and there's no real true feeling of okay we are going to tear this down or okay we're going to take that next step to being you know a playoff contender yeah well they better cut ties with neil huntington while they're at it because yeah <laughs> he, he hasn't gotten the job done and look look i'm i'm not saying it's his fault that the team won't spend money and you know he only has right. is able to work with such a budget but he hasn't been able to build up a, a consistent farm system uh in that time either and i think you know at, at some point you, you gotta send a message to the fan base that you care about this team and you know what, Bob Nutting, you haven't done that. So uh, at this point, uh, it, it's time to to turn things around, to turn a new leaf. If you are going to keep this team, if you are going to continue to to be the owner, you got to take some ownership of that. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and if if you're not going to shell out the money, which is, is his right as an owner, you know he can set that. Uh, as much as I might disagree with it, I respect that that you know it's his team and he can run it the way his, he wants. But at a certain point, you know you need to prioritize winning. Uh, and, and clearly that the path that this team has been on for the past several years does not include that. Right. And so, so we're going to switch things up and we're going to take things from the national league to the American league. And we're going to stop talking about teams that postseason hopes are dead. And we're going to take a look at a very competitive AL wildcard race. Uh, we're sitting here, 
Uh, on the 26th of September, we've got three teams still left in things. Oakland has a half game advantage over Tampa Bay right now for that first wild card spot at 95 and 63. The Tampa Bay Rays currently have the second wild card spot at 95 and 64. And then the Cleveland Indians, who, Matt, who was your team? Did you say that the Cleveland Indians wouldn't make the postseason on like one of our first episodes? I did. I called them dead. You did. You in did call fact, them dead. I did. And, and they are. Almost dead. They're close. They're, they're 93 and 65, one and a half games out of that second spot. Um, so really coming down close to the end of this season as we're getting there with Minnesota officially, uh, you know, clinching the Central Division as well. So um, Matt, one of these teams isn't going to be in the playoffs, and, and you know, both all three have very intriguing lineups. You know, you think of Tampa Bay's pitching staff, the bats in Cleveland and Oakland. Um, who do you think makes it out, and and who would you who are the two teams that you would want to see in there also, just from a fan's perspective? So as of right now, at five o'clock Eastern time, we still have yeah. two games to be played tonight involving these teams. The Indians are at the White Sox, eight o'clock, and then at ten we have the Athletics at the Mariners. So there is the opportunity right there for the Indians to uh, gain that half game on the Rays, whereas the Athletics can solidify their spot atop the wild card race. Now. As far as who I think comes out of this, I think it comes down to you know who, what teams are playing who uh, this weekend. So let's assume uh, that both the Indians and the A's win tonight, uh, in which case would put the A's a game up on the Rays, who then would be a game up mm-hmm. on the Indians. Uh, looking at who's playing who this weekend, the Indians are at the Nats. Uh, for three games, one of which will be started by Patrick Corbin, uh, Austin Voth starting the first game for the Nats. Uh, he's one of their you know fifth guys, rotation guys. Uh, and then mm-hmm. the last game is to be determined, depending on whether or not the Nats need to win that game uh, to fend off the Brewers for the top wild card spot. Then you have the A's are at the Mariners, a team with 90 plus losses this year, and the Rays are at Toronto, another team with 90 plus losses. So the Indians already a game behind, assuming that they win tonight, already a game behind the Rays and the A's uh, for that spot. So I'm going to say that the Indians are the odd team out, uh, despite the fact that they have been on a tear. They get Jose Ramirez back, who in emphatic fashion, his first game back, hits a grand slam in the first inning, and then a three-run homer later in the same game. Uh, coming back from a, a handmate bone injury, which is a really tough injury to come back from, especially as, as quickly as he did. So props to, to Joe Ram, but at the same time, I think that the A's and, and the Rays, where they're positioned right now, given the two teams that they're playing to finish the year, it, it's a very uphill battle uh, for the Indians. They're really going to have to uh, show up this weekend in D.C. And with the Nats playing for home field advantage, trying to fend off the Red Hot Brewers, uh, and in fact could be even the Cardinals uh, if the Brewers pass the Cardinals in the NL Central race. The Nats need to win to keep pace. I think just by need uh, and, and where teams are right now, I don't see the Indians making it. Right, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I would have to go with the Indians too just because they're already at that disadvantage. Tampa is playing some great baseball recently. I got to watch them uh, play a few games against New York, and man, that pitching staff is just, it's so tricky at times. Charlie Morton has been outstanding. He no-hit the Yankees through almost six innings last night. Uh, certainly a dominant performance uh, for him. Um, and, and then Oakland, of course, is cruising right now too, 7-3 and three out of their last 10. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that Cleveland has found themselves in this position, you know, fighting the uphill battle with the series left. But like you said, you know, the, the only team of these three that are facing an opponent that needs to win this series and that's motivated to win this series is the Indians, you know, going up uh, and playing the Nats. And so for Tampa and Oakland, they've got a chance to roll over some pretty uh, light opponents and then make their way into the postseason. And Matt, you know, taking a look at both of those teams, Oakland and Tampa, uh, where do you think things shake out there in their matchup in the wild card game? Well, uh, all things equal, um, we're going to be, you know, having the, the A's are going to have to lose two of three and the, and the Rays would have to win two of three or the Rays sweep and the, uh, and they pass them that way. Looking at the probable pitchers right now, we've got Tyler Glasnow going for the Rays uh, tomorrow on Friday uh, against TJ Zook. I don't know if I'm saying that right for the uh, Blue Jays, and then they haven't announced their two starters beyond that. With the A's, they have Sean Manaya, Mike Fires, and Brett Anderson, three of their top starters this season. Uh, who, mm-hmm. you know, Manaya obviously um, 
hasn't been pitching all that much. He's missed most of the year with injury. In fact, only made four starts, but a 1-1-4 ERA so far in those starts. Fires has been quietly excellent this year, a quality start machine, has racked up 15 wins. And then Brett Anderson, a guy who, who eats innings, give you a solid six innings, three or four runs per start. So uh, I think that's a pretty good lineup for them. Uh, rolling into mm-hmm. this series, going against Felix Hernandez, Justice Sheffield, and Marco Gonzalez, all of whom have at least an ERA of 4.09. Sheffield and Felix, both above six so far this season. Uh, that certainly gives the, athletic, the Athletics the edge. Their pitching has been so underrated uh, in this second half. I got to give the edge to the Athletics. I know I'm going with the teams that are above each other uh, yeah. in, in how everything <laughs> is right now. Um, but at the same time, uh, I really do think that the A's uh, are the best team of these three. Uh, with the, that top to down, uh, top to bottom lineup, uh, so many power hitters in there. You also have two of the best defensive infielders in all of baseball in the the mats on either side, Matt Olson and Matt Chapman uh, at the two corners. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot to like about that team. They've, they're a quiet contender, uh, a team like the the Pirates uh, that doesn't spend a whole lot of money, but is really good about developing players yeah. in their farm system, about acquiring players. Uh, through free agency, who who might be better value signings, uh, and re-signing guys like Chris Davis uh, to maybe team-friendly extensions, but certainly rewarding uh, some of their better players for sticking around. Now, this is the same team that traded Josh Donaldson uh, for Brett Lowry and spare parts, uh, so certainly has not always been on the right side of things when it comes to trades, but at the same time, I do think that this athletics team certainly has been uh, the hottest of the three uh, in the mm-hmm. second half, and, and I believe that they, with this already uh, one-game advantage, of course they could lose tonight, and we could be seeing uh, them tied with the Rays going into the weekend, but uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that they win tonight, have 96 wins, and are in prime position to close out here with the top seed. Yeah, and it'll be certainly interesting if Oakland is able to also take that wild card game over Tampa. Uh in a testy matchup with Minnesota, you talk about how Oakland's pitching has been has been kind of um, you know an under uh, I guess appreciated un- underappreciated story this season. Sorry, my mm-hmm. words are all over the place. But they're also uh, going to be faced against you know in a, a very home run heavy team in Minnesota, the first team ever to eclipse the 300 home run mark in the regular season. And interestingly enough, Minnesota is the only uh, division winner right now with a sub 500 uh, record against opponents with winning records. So they're 32 and 37 right now when facing off on. Uh, the better teams in baseball. So um, for either of those teams, Tampa Bay or Oakland, if they're able to to advance to Minnesota, uh, that'll be a pretty good matchup where we could see one of those teams advancing to the ALCS. Well, Blake, I, I hate to correct you here, but the Astros are actually would be the team that they would go on to face. Oh, I can't. Yeah, in the I'm ALDS. Um, your Yankees I, I, will be facing off with those Homer I was Happy Twins. That wrong. <laughs> I, I but, had them. If, weirdly enough, the way my my screen is listed. It had mm-hmm. Minnesota up at the top. Oh, so I, I was, it, I'm reading something really off right now, but, but yes, thank you for correcting me on that. Got you. But uh, to your point, uh, you know, if Oakland does advance uh, and go into uh, a series against Houston, I mean, it's impossible to pick against the Astros. I think they're the most complete team in baseball. There really is yeah. no weakness. We've talked uh, earlier uh, about some question marks at the back end of the Dodgers rotation and their bullpen. Uh, you know, Hinjin Ryu was struggling. Uh, Kenley Jansen hadn't been on the right track, and we were a little bit worried about what exactly would happen there. I mean, find a weakness in the Houston Astros, man. It's impossible. I mean, they have three of the most durable veteran starters uh, there are, the only players with uh, 200-plus innings each of the last three seasons. Three of them are on the Astros, and the other is Jacob deGrom. Uh, so that's pretty insane company to be in. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Granky almost throws no hitter last night. Justin Verlander had one earlier this season. Garrett Cole is probably going to finish second to Verlander in the AL Cy Young race. I mean, top to bottom. And, and you know, Wade Miley is their fourth starter, uh, right. who's had a very good season in his own right. So, mm-hmm. uh, the, the bullpen is solid. Maybe, maybe not, you know, it doesn't stand out as much as anybody else. Uh, but it still is a group where you know you're not going to need to rely on them as much. You're hoping your starters can give you seven, eight innings every game uh, throughout the playoffs, if not more. Uh, so at this point, uh, I can't pick either any of these three wild card teams uh, to beat right. um, the, the the Astros at this point in a five game series. I just mm-hmm. don't think that 
the only I think the only teams in the American League to take them down are either the Twins or the Yankees. Um, right. Probably the, the the Yankees, in my opinion, um, as long as their their starting pitching can hold up. Um, but you know, I I, I think they're going to breeze past that first round. I mean, this is a team that's already won a World Series, so they've mm-hmm. been there, done that. I don't see them uh, looking past this series. I see them taking it seriously and. Uh, you know, soundly defeating either of the teams that come out of it. It's sad because I do like uh, what the Athletics right. have been doing. I think the Rays have a solid ball club, uh, and I think the Indians. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've been in the World Series before. They've certainly had a deep postseason run, but uh, you know, I just don't see any of these teams stacking up with the Astros. Yeah, honestly, if I was to root for one of those teams, uh, I'd probably go with Tampa just because I would love to see them. Uh, you know, host, fellow AL East uh, team. You know. Yeah, I, weirdly enough, I, they're one of those teams that just surprises me that they've been good this year. I mean, of course, you take a look at the roster. They've got very talented players around there, a lot of young talent as well. But I more so want to see them you know, advance past the wild card because uh, you get to see them host a home postseason game, and I would love to see what that crowd would look like. Um, if they get the opportunity to play in Tampa. Um, and if not, then, uh, you know, Charlie Morton taking on his former Astros team. He's been electric this season, so that'll be fun to watch too. So, you know, they are a, a pesky uh, opponent this entire year with the Yankees. It's They've had a couple of very good wins uh, over New York, but I, I would love to see them, as opposed to, to Cleveland or Oakland. They're the team that I kind of want to see move on to that next stage. Yeah, we'll see. I mean... There's certainly a, a lot of young guys with that Rays team. I don't think they're going away. Uh, oh, I, yeah. My pick, my pick is the one I want to see would probably be Oakland. Yeah. Uh, just because you know they, they a couple of years ago they had that uh, really good start to the season and then they traded Yoenis Cespedes uh, mid year and fell off a cliff. Barely made that wild card game before losing to the Royals in what was uh, hands down my the, the most fun playoff game I've ever watched. Um, God, what year was that? It was. Pulling it up here, Oakland A's franchise, and they lost the AL wildcard game. I believe that was 2014, 2014. Uh, that they lost to the Royals. Yeah, uh, the Royals stole something like seven bases in that Jesus. game. I mean, it was something ridiculous, um, and uh, they actually had to bench Derek Norris, their catcher. Uh, it was a lot hmm. of fun, but that that was kind of – they've lost the, the two wildcard games uh, that they've been in uh, over the past six seasons – uh, made two LDS before that, but haven't been in a championship series since 2006. So certainly this is a franchise that kind of needs a win, in my opinion. Uh, right. and, and, you know, I don't think it gets enough credit for the kind of season it's been having. I mean, at 95 wins, you know, they would be in the lead in the AL Central by five games, or the NL Central by five games, uh, and they would be in prime position to host the wildcard game. In fact, they would have clinched the, the uh, top spot in the AL wildcard, or the NL wildcard race, excuse me. Uh, so, you know, just kind of luck of the draw, having been in, in at the Astros division. And that being said, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, any kind of playoff series between two division teams is a scary thought for the for the higher seeded team because oh, yeah. this is a team that knows them very well. They play them 19 times a season, uh, and if anybody can beat the Astros in a in a NLDS in the in an ALDS, I keep getting them mixed up. I think it's the Athletics uh, just because they they've been able to see them so much, not just this year but over the past couple of years compared to the other teams. Mm-hmm. And one last one last baseball note before we switch over to football. Uh, the streak is over for our friend Chris Davis, unfortunately. I know. Uh, after four seasons of oh, hitting two forty seven, he's really all the me. way down to two twenty this year. So very unfortunate. Uh, you know, I was as soon as he started talking about the A's, I was like, I wonder what he's doing this year. And so unfortunately, that streak has come to an end. But it is. We're gonna switch things over and hope that our betting streaks can stay hot. I know me and Matt have been talking, uh, you know, texting throughout the last few weeks, and we've been doing some, uh, some, uh, making some good money over on on the football side of things, we right? Have, Matt? We have. Yeah, I'm feeling. Last week, I had a pretty good week. Uh, yeah. I think I put in twenty five, came out with forty. So. Not it wasn't a maybe an overly successful week, but certainly mm-hmm. uh, you know was able to stay in the positive. Yeah. That's all that matters. Working my way exactly. up with some smaller bets before I start going big money. Right. Yeah. Well, I unfortunately have gotten too hot of a head. I had two big weeks <laughs> where two weeks in the NFL season, I'm up two fifty, uh, which made me place a forty dollar bet earlier today when I saw a line that was very intriguing to me, and I'll bring that up when uh, when we get there. But we're going to come back with our betting segment. Uh, we're each going to provide you our lock of the week, which we can now. Uh, we are two and zero in our locks, by the way. We exactly. Went, so we we're off to a good start. We're off to a good start. We know we know what a lock is, so we got that. We're going <laughs> to give you a game that we just completely want to avoid for whatever reason. 
Uh, we're going to give you a daily fantasy type pick. Uh, we, we talked about doing player props, but unfortunately those don't get released until the morning of the games. Uh, you know, to something that I didn't realize when we recorded that first show. So we're going to take a look at a player that maybe, you know, would have some sneaky value if you're doing some daily fantasy lineups that I would take interest in. And then we're also going to do a parlay and to keep that consistent week to week. We're going to pick one game that we like to spread, one game that we like to win outright, and then one over-under that we also like as well. So, Matthew, where are you going in week four, the last week of September? Uh, where are you going for your lock of the week? I am going over to the AFC, where the Jaguars Ooh. are plus three again at, at the Broncos. And I'm picking the Jags there. Uh, I, I really like what I saw out of Gardner Menchu uh, in his first start last week. The Broncos team right now, the, everyone loves to talk about this stat. They have not uh, picked up an interception, nor have they recorded a sack so far this season. Uh, 0-3 on the year uh, against some quality teams, but nevertheless have not been able to qu- pick up a win. I think the Jaguars are going to roll into this game. I like that they're already underdogs at plus three. I think that uh, if, if they were picking a team uh, at plus three, you should not be thinking, oh, they'll finish you know one point uh, down. They'll lose, yeah. but they'll still you know be within three points. you got to be thinking they can win this game. I think the Jaguars will easily win this game on the road, pick up the dub, their second of the season. Jaguars plus three, that's my lock. Yeah, man, that was going to be my lock too. So I'm going to switch and, and pick hey. my second number, second lock. But but getting even odds uh, on Jacksonville as a three yeah. point underdog, and and basically that comes into it's just Denver getting the three points for home field advantage. So even if you want to stay away from the plus three at even odds, just go straight for that money line with plus one forty five right now. Mm-hmm. I, I think Jacksonville has shown us a lot of things uh, offensively that's impressive. Uh, aside from Leonard Fournette, you know Minshew with Chark and and Dee Dee Westbrook. Their defense is scout. Denver no Jalen Ramsey though, (laughs) but not that you know. Right, it's it's Joe Flacco. (laughs) Right, exactly. Well, and it's Joe Flacco, and then on the defense, where Vic Fangio has been told by many offensive coordinators that he's the toughest guy to game plan for. Bradley Chubb and Von Miller have zero combined sacks. And that just makes zero sense to me. I thought that this was going to be a slam dunk hire. I thought the defense would go, um, would be one of the best in the league, and it's been so underwhelming. I think that is. Easily uh, the lock of the week. Um, well, I so- want you to brace yourself for a storyline, okay? Vic Fangio was coaching for so long as an assistant for a reason. You're going to hear it. Uh, yeah. I don't agree with it, but you are going to start hearing it if the Broncos continue to lose. It's interesting. If they continue this way, it's certainly going to look like that. But um, I, I don't blame it at all. It's definitely something that you got to take a look at. Maybe there's a reason he didn't get hired. Uh, for my lock of the week, I'm going to switch things, and I'm going to go with one that... Oof, all right, I'm just going to do it. This is the one that I put uh, my $40 bet on, and it's Ooh. to me, it, it's it's a big spread, which always kind of worries me, but I am going with Kansas City as touchdown favorites over Detroit. Um, you're getting that at plus 110 odds, which I think is is very surprising to me uh, that you've got Kansas City 3-0, and one of the best, o- the, the best offense in football. Right now, the quarterback playing the best in football with Pat Mahomes. Um, against the Detroit Lions team that still hasn't lost this year. But if you want to take a look at what they've done this season, I mean, they tied Arizona. They put up 27 points in overtime, uh, you know, against a defense that doesn't really stand out. They only were able to put up 13 points in their first home game against a Chargers defense that has been kind of underwhelming. They're missing some key pieces uh, on the back end of that defense as well. And while they were able to put up 27 points over to, over uh, Philadelphia last week, I didn't think that that was more so of the Lions winning that game as more so the Eagles losing that game. So I really don't trust that the Lions will be able to put up a ton of points against Kansas City. And if it's a seven-point line, I think that this Chiefs offense could easily put up another 30, 35-point performance. And I don't see Detroit being able to put up 28. So, uh, you know, not too bold, but, you know, given the fact that they're touchdown favorites, uh, it's a big spread to count on them to win by, but I've got Kansas City uh, touchdown favorites plus 110. Yeah, I, I just need to, you know, I, I think the Lions offense hasn't really been fully unleashed. I mean, we saw it for the first half against the Cardinals of what the, you know, they can really do with, with on Johnson setting the tone on the running game and TJ Hawkinson is the big uh, end zone threat. And of course, Kenny Galladay able to stretch the field. You know, they have a lot of weapons that it makes sense. Uh, you know, they could have a, a very good offensive unit. We just haven't seen them put it all together for four quarters. So this, this plus seven minus seven bet here is, 
it, it is assuming that the Lions show up to play offensively, uh, and, and that's kind of where I think you know you have to decide whether or not you believe. Uh, and clearly, Blake, you think that the Chiefs' offense is just way too much better. Yeah, I think the Chiefs' offense is way too much better, and I think that their defense is getting too much or isn't getting enough appreciation. I think that they made a lot of interesting moves this year. Of course, they moved on from a ton of veterans on that defense, brought in some younger guys, traded for a guy like Frank Clark, and I thought their their defense has played well. They they let up a, a decent amount of points to Baltimore, but Baltimore has shown that they've they've got a good team this year. Uh, and so, you know, I, I'm more so believing that the Jaguars are just far and away the better team, and Detroit has kind of lucked their way into a 2-0-1 start. But, uh, but yeah, Matt Patricia could make things interesting. He's a smart defensive coach. Uh, Darius Slay has been performing like one of the top corners in the league so far this year. So um, maybe tread lightly on that one, but I didn't want to have the same lock as you. But, I, I you know, <laughs> we both feel comfortable as with Jacksonville and Denver, but uh, but I feel pretty good about Kansas City. So now we're going to take things to the games that we don't want to bet on, and I always say that there are probably half of the games in this league that I wouldn't want to bet on, and, and I, the way I choose my one is like gun to the head. You have to bet on you know 14 of these 15 upcoming games. Mm-hmm. Which one are you avoiding? So, Matt, which game are you not touching, uh, You know, not putting a single penny on this week? That is going to have to be Vikings-Bears for me yeah. uh, with where we're at right now. I just don't know what to make of these two offenses. Uh, right now the Bears are favored at minus two at home uh, with the money line being minus 125 for them. I, I, I just, you know, for me, the Bears, what, what Mitch Trubisky are we going to get against this Vikings secondary that uh, has been kind of up and down, certainly still has the pieces to have a good season, um, but we haven't really seen them uh, at their full strength. Meanwhile, we do really don't know what to expect out of the Vikings offense outside of Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know, I think this is going to be a game that's going to be determined by the run games for sure, uh, with, with Cook obviously being a big focal point. Can he bust through uh, that Bears defense? It's one of the best against the run in the entire NFL. Uh, I don't know if, if Kirk Cousins is going to be able to rise to an occasion. I, I don't know if I can bet the under because of the defenses or if we're just going to see Mitch Trubisky turn it on and Dalvin Cook have an, a, a crazy game and we're going to hit the over. It's just so many mm-hmm. factors in this that are, are just big unknowns to me. Plus, I mean, it's two two and one teams, so it's really right. tough to judge uh, You know who is better at this point of the season. We still only have three games under our belts uh, with which to work with, which makes betting early on in the year just so hard to do. But uh, I, I think that this game, it, there's just so many things that could happen either way I'm staying away from it yeah I don't blame you at all and that was going to be in my consideration too you've got two good teams with two very inconsistent quarterbacks ones that we don't really know anything about so uh, both of those teams are very talented you're really just saying which quarterback do I believe in the most and I don't want to bet on Kirk Cousins I don't want to bet on Mitchell Trubisky so I will be avoiding that one as well I'm going to take you to another game where I kind of feel the same way and it's mostly just because of the spread that it's at right now too but I'm going to Atlanta uh, where the Titans are traveling to take on the Falcons both of the Colts victories uh, so far this season have come against both these teams I like to rub that in um, Atlanta right now is sitting at four point favorites and, and to me, I, I just there's so much I don't know about this team. Uh, the the Titans defense has a ton of potential to click things on and be one of the top ten in the league. I mean, you think about their back end with the corners. They've got a Dory Jackson. They've got Malcolm Butler. Their defensive line has put on solid pressure so far this year against an Atlanta offense that, when they're all clicking, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper, Devonta Freeman, Matt Ryan, both of those units have so much potential but we also they're so inconsistent we never know which one is going to show up is it going to be the good Atlanta offense that shows up or the bad one is it going to be the good Tennessee Titans defense or the bad one so staying away from that and on the on the opposite side the Titans offense doesn't give me anything to be excited about and neither does the Falcons defense right now we've talked about it this cover three uh heavy defense is no longer a a sure thing in the NFL anymore. It can get picked apart like it's nobody's business. And so, you know, on all, both teams, both sides of the ball, I just don't feel confident in. And to say that I think um, that Atlanta is four points better than Tennessee, I, I, I would expect them to win given the home field advantage. And just because, you know, if you're asking me who I think is better, Matt Ryan or Mariota, I'm easily going Matt Ryan. But this is a game that just like, too much going around on both sides that is so inconsistent that I don't even want to get near this game. Yeah, uh, I don't blame you. I mean, I was very high in Atlanta coming into the season, had them. Hey, we both my, were. <laughs> yeah, I had them in my uh, NFC Championship game. Meanwhile, I had the Titans 
falling into rebuilding status. I believe I had four one of the worst. 12, right? Four and 12 on the year. So uh, clearly they're both a little bit more toward the middle than I anticipated, uh, which makes the game all the more of a toss up. So yeah, that's, that's another one on my list that I, I probably won't be putting any money on. Mm-hmm. So now let's take a look at the player. Uh, I don't know if there's a specific game out there that intrigues you or maybe a certain matchup with a defensive back on the offensive side of things. But, Matt, if you're taking a look at a guy this week that you think you could get on the low for guys doing daily fantasy or maybe a guy that you would normally put on your bench, maybe put him in the starting lineup, who do you think is going to ball out this weekend? Okay, so this is definitely not... Uh... A crazy pick, I would say, although you might think of it, it is crazy because of the matchup, but I'm going with David Johnson, uh, who is valued right now on FanDuel at $6,000, which is a pretty modest price. He's going up against the Seahawks, which has obviously a pretty formidable front seven, uh, you know, not obviously the same team that we had seen in previous years, but obviously they have Clowney in there, Bobby Wagner in the middle of things, KJ Wright, Michael Kendrick, Ziggy Ansah. I mean, you know, they, they have plenty of good pieces on that defensive front. However, I do think that this is going to be a very low scoring game. Uh, I don't think that the Cardinals or the Seahawks offenses are really clicking on all cylinders right now. Both have the potential for big plays, but they never seem to be able to finish. So I can see a lot of situations where we're we're having, you know, red zone situations where we might need to run the ball, whether up the gut for a touchdown uh, or rely on uh, the running game to set the tone. I mean, you look at Seattle, that's its MO. It it very much relies on being a run first offense uh, to try and control the clock. And I think we're going to see Arizona try to match that as well with Johnson. and and try to control the clock by itself and keep the ball in the hands of the offense uh, and not tire out its defense all game. So I think this is going to be a high-volume game for David Johnson uh, and Mm. one where he has the potential to run it in for a touchdown once or twice. I just hope that Cliff Kingsbury starts putting Kyler Murray under center and and giving David Johnson a chance to run up to, to receiving the football instead of having to, you know, get it handed off in the shotgun and then have to make it work. You know, it, he's one of those guys that just can really produce it well in between the tackles. And, and certainly, if you want to keep Seattle's offense off the field, you're going to need to run the ball uh, if they're going to at least want to try and make this upset to get their first win of the season. Uh, so I don't blame you for that at all. And I, I'm, I'm going with a weird guy. <laughs> Probably... Not too much known about him yet, but I d- certainly think that this is going to be maybe the breakout game for a stretch of success for him. And I'm going up to Buffalo, uh, where the Bills have this young tight end. Oh, God, I know uh, His name about. is uh, <laughs> Dawson Knox out of yeah. Buffalo. He's got some crazy wild hair. Uh, very... Um, I guess cheap value on daily fantasy right now. I'm not sure if you have his FanDuel salary by you, but I, I haven't. I don't have it right now. But he's I a guy that I it. think... I think is really going to be on a great stretch through the rest of this season. And you think about the Buffalo offense, and the one thing that I guess had been sort of missing, you know, they've got John Brown to go over the top. They've got Cole Beasley to work the middle of the field. And now they've found, I think, their tight end. Um, he's officially become the tight end uh, number one for the Bills. Uh, 4, Lee 000, Smith by the way. Is behind. 4,700. 4, 4, okay. Alrighty, so I think that's good value for him right there at the tight end position. Um, you know, if you're not going to go with you know a, a high-paying guy like Travis Kelsey, I know George Kittle's on a buy, so maybe if you're looking for a replacement for him, Dawson Knox seems like one of those guys that has a really good uh, shot at, at balling out. You know, also with the Bills, um, Tyler Croft is no longer um, going to be playing, uh, so we've got Dawson Knox now. Um, I, I just think that that's the missing piece to the Buffalo offense. Tight ends can be a safety blanket uh, when when playing against opposing defenses. And you look at Pittsburgh's schedule so far, or I mean Pittsburgh, New England's schedule so far. Um, you know, in their game against Pittsburgh, Vance McDonald got things going in the second half. Tight ends on Miami and, and New York are very underwhelming, so I wouldn't take anything into account there. But I think Dawson Knox has a chance to get in the end zone this week, uh, maybe trick some of the linebackers on the Patriots defense. But uh, if if they're gonna if Josh Allen is gonna constantly be under pressure, and if the defensive backs are going to really strap up on Cole Beasley and and John Brown, like I think that they will, Dawson Knox is gonna be the guy that he's gonna have to go to a lot. Yeah, it's a tough matchup with New England for sure. Uh, I agree with you that that Knox is trending in the right direction, but that, that, I get the pick because looking at the Buffalo offense, I mean, what weapons? 
really do stand out to you. I think there's a lot of opportunity for target share in that offense. And mm-hmm. Knox, being a tight end, being a, a player that you can dump the ball off to uh, in, in high-pressure situations, I, I really like the pick. I think that he is certainly trending in the right direction for Buffalo. And, and you know what? This is an opportunity for him. And I love betting on guys yeah. who uh, deserve an opportunity, get one, uh, and, and you believe in them moving forward. I, I think that's a great pick. All right, now it's time to shine for him, and he could be one of those guys that if you're playing in a regular fantasy league, maybe try and pick him up now before he starts blowing up because, like you were saying, fair share of opportunities there on that offense. All right, so our final bet, uh, Matt, we're going to go with a parlay, and I'll let you know my parlay I've already put 10 bucks on uh, on Bovada right now. I have now. two. <laughs> uh, I did that before the episode, so good. We've got money rolling on our parlay, so that makes us feel more confident in it. Uh, one spread that you like, one money line, and one over-under. Matt, what is your parlay, and what does it pay out for? All right, so I'm taking my spread is the Seahawks at minus 5.5 at the Cardinals. Uh, I think that they are, are certainly the better team, and you know, like I said, it's going to come down to controlling the clock, and ultimately Russell Wilson in the fourth quarter, he needs a touchdown to, to put the Seahawks up uh, late. I, I count on him to do it, so I'm taking them. Uh, at minus five and a half. Then I'm going for my money line. I'm taking the Colts. I know it's not super uh, tough odds hosting the Raiders, but at minus 320, uh, that's the only real money line I felt super confident about uh, this week. We just have a lot of good matchups uh, in the NFL this week. And I think after this week, we're really going to have a much better idea of where a lot of teams stand because we're getting, you know, teams like the Saints and the Cowboys going against each other. Uh, you know, teams like the Bears and the Vikings, uh, the the Falcons and the Titans, as we mentioned. You know, those, there's a lot of games where we're really going to be able to uh, put them up against teams that are considered in the same rung as them uh, and be able to sort it out a lot better. So exciting week in the NFL. And my final game uh, is that Saints-Cowboys game. Uh, I'm taking the under. Uh, in that it's at mm. 47 right now uh, with Teddy Bridgewater not exactly lighting up the Seahawks. Uh, I expect him to have similar output against the Cowboys. Meanwhile, uh, the Saints defense, one of the best against the run in the entire NFL. I see them, uh, Zeke unable to have a field day, which puts more pressure on, Z- uh, on Dak, where uh, he'll have to go deep to Amari. Well, whether that or not that'll happen, probably. Uh, but will he be able to do it all game? Probably not. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take the under there, uh, expecting uh, lighter uh, work from both offenses. That comes out to plus 378.4. Uh, so if you put $10 on that, you get $37.84. So not a huge uh, gamble necessarily in terms of you know racking up 1,000 uh, plus 1,000 odds or anything like that. But yeah. I think that's a solid parlay where you, know, you can triple your money. Yeah, I like that. And especially that, uh, that Dallas-New Orleans under. That game last year, like heavily hit the under right now that I'm thinking about it. They played last night. In a yes, it was game. right at the end of the year, and the, uh, the Cowboys actually won, um, yep, I remember. That, and it definitely uh, hit because the under. The, Everyone was thinking the over would hit. Yes. But, I mean, looking yeah. at those two offenses, it made sense. But without Breeze, I, I'm right. very comfortable making that pick. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so uh, I am going with a couple bets that we've already talked about and then a third for my over-under. I'm going with my spread for Kansas City, um, minus 7 at plus 110 odds. I think when you look at the spreads, um, and I didn't want to double double up on Jacksonville, uh, that was the one that I just enjoyed the most, getting positive uh, lines on probably the second best team in the NFL. I had to go and take that. My money line, I went with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I really think that they, I don't see a way that they walk out of Denver without a win, moving to 500 on the season, getting them at plus 145 to win that game against a, a Denver team that really hasn't shown us anything at all this year. I think they're able to do. And then I'm also going to that Raiders Colts game and I'm hitting the over uh, at 45 right now. And, and, to me, Oakland has one of the worst defenses in football. We saw how Kansas City lit them up. We've seen how teams have, have really taken advantage of that defense so far this year. Uh, and then I'm going to take a, a look at the Colts. And, 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 you know, they're missing some key guys on defense. Darius Leonard, we're not sure if he's going to be playing with a concussion. Malik Hooker is missing the next month with a torn meniscus that he's already had surgery on. So those are two of, uh, you know, potentially... The Colts' two best defensive players are also not sure if Pierre Desir is going to be available, their number one corner. Um, so for that, I feel like there's some good trickery in there that John Gruden can do to get the offense uh, racking up some points, uh, whether that's a big game from Josh Jacobs on the ground, you know, Darren Waller at tight end. Uh, they certainly have some weapons to expose. I think that game should hit the over, and it's a pretty low over at 45. I mean, you're banking on a, on a you know, 
22.5 for each team. So I think that that one hits the over. And so that parlay, put 10 bucks on there, pays out to $88.22. So uh, pretty good odds right there. Of course, you need some, some comfortable lines to go your way. Kansas City to win by more than a touchdown. Jacksonville to win on the road. But uh, I got a little fun with it, and I feel I feel good about it, you know, despite it, you know, paying out so well. Usually when I see the payout and it's like that, I get a little nervous. But yeah, I feel pretty comfortable way. with that one. Yeah, uh, I like it. I, I do like that under, uh, as you mentioned, uh, with that Colts Raiders, or sorry, the over with that Colts Raiders game. I, I do think that the Raiders offense is going to be able to put on some points too. I mean, I do like yeah. the Colts defense, but uh, we've seen some flashes uh, from Derek Carr this season, and Josh Jacobs is, is one of the best young running backs, uh, obviously in his draft class, but just in general uh, right now, I think you know the number of touches he's been getting, he's been taking advantage of those opportunities. So yeah, I, I definitely am on board with that, and you know, hey, that's a pretty good payout, and you've already put the money down, so I'm excited to see if you get oh, yeah. it. Yeah, that'll be a fun one to watch for, and it's honestly, I always do some weird, I'll wake up Sunday morning and I'll put like an eight-team parlay in there that pays out for like six fifty. I know two <laughs> weeks ago, I, I sent a very sad text to, to Matt and Tom because yeah. I had one that would have paid six fifty. And the only thing that I had lost was that the Ravens, I had them covering by 13. Uh, and, of course, they only ended up winning by a touchdown against Arizona. So, unfortunately, that didn't happen. But I've got some fun ones that can hopefully make us some good money. Hopefully, you all make some good money off our advice. But if not, um, don't, you know. It's not our fault. At us. Uh, this yeah, is free. So, you're not, uh, it's your, it's your you're not paying money. for anything. <laughs> I don't tell you what to do with your money. But go ahead exactly. and make our bets because we feel good about them. All right, Matt. I think this is probably one of the shorter shows that we've done in a long time. So we yeah, it's about time. We've been we've been hitting some hour and a half marks uh, recently. Yeah, so. so so it's nice to see that under the minutes and not hours yet. So uh, that'll wrap up this episode. Of course, covering some baseball topics and our NFL picks. Uh, oh, real quick, Matt, because people will be listening to this tomorrow morning. Who's going to win the Eagles or the mm-hmm. Packers? Oh yeah. Uh, I actually, in the middle of this podcast, since I had Bavada up, I just put uh, $5 down on the Packers to cover yeah. uh, against the Eagles, minus four and a half. I just, you know, the we haven't seen a whole lot of the Packers offense, and it's about time they show up. Uh, the mm-hmm. Eagles are just so banged up right now, I can't justify taking them, so going Packers, minus yeah. four and a half. Yeah, I went and did an alternate line where I had them win by more than a touchdown. So that got some positive odds on there, too. So I'm hoping mm. that that one hits. But i got to take the Packers, too. You would hope that eventually this offense picks up. I know Aaron Rodgers was adamant about it in his uh, in his interviews throughout the week. The defense is great. Um, and like you said, Philadelphia just doesn't have something right about them right now. That's another team I think we were both high on that is severely underwhelmed so far this season. So hopefully they have a chance to turn things around, but not tonight because we both feel pretty confident about the Packers. <laughs> but uh, but, but we'll that'll see. wrap things up for us. Uh, enjoy the weekend of football. I'm going to sit on my couch all Thursday night, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so we'll have a lot of fun stuff out there. Make sure to follow both of us on Twitter. Matt is over at Matt Wyrick FBB talking all things baseball and Nationals specific as well. Uh, you can find me at Blake Andrew Pace covering the Colts for Stampede Blue, uh, covering Syracuse football for Troy Nunez is an absolute magician. I really wish that they would change that title. It's it never going to happen. Is, uh, <laughs> it's not. It, I don't get the point of it, but whatever. Uh, I, I write for them and they pay me, so I'm not going to complain. But uh, <laughs> but thank you guys so much for listening, Matt. Any last words before we sign off? You know, uh, enjoy your Thursday nights, even though you all have already oh, yeah. enjoyed your Thursday nights. Um, if you did enjoy your is, Thursday nights, go back in time. Yes, or enjoy your Friday, one of the two, whichever is easier. Uh, But thank you all so much for listening. Always a pleasure being here, and we will see you all next week. Take care.